Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit FightRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Dr. Frida Birnbaum, and we'll be talking about codependency and coping with codependency. Codependency within families is more common than most people would care to admit. It can take place between parents and their children, siblings, extended family members, and across multiple generations as well. The signs can range from a compulsive tendency toward people-pleasing, a lack of physical or emotional boundaries, excessive control, perfectionism, criticism, and even abuse in the home environment. Dr. Frida Birnbaum is a research psychologist and psychoanalytic therapist an expert on topics such as family dynamics, parenthood, relationships, addiction, anxiety, and depression. Dr. Frida is a seasoned media personality and commentator who is adept at discerning the psychological underpinnings of current issues and parsing psychological profiles of various newsmakers, politicians, celebrities, criminals, etc., Dr. Birnbaum is the author of Life Begins at 60, A New View on Motherhood, Marriage, and Reinventing Ourselves, as well as the book, What Price Power? An In-Depth Study of a Professional Woman in a Relationship. She's also host of the Dr. Frida Show, Pushing the Limit podcast. For more information, you can visit her website, which is simply drfrida.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Dr. Fria to the show. Good day. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to talking about this this topic. Now, you know, we are through the holidays, so a lot of people may have already navigated, you know, the codependency with families. But, you know, I mean, it's, it doesn't just happen during the holidays. So um, I kind of want to, you know, talk about that and, and just in, in general – you know, codependency and, and that kind of thing. So can would you first start with, um, can you give us um, kind of a, a layman's um, description of what codependency is? Well, you know, we have no boundaries. That's the problem. We are still caring, uh, not we necessarily us, but in general people are often so caring towards their relatives, uh, people that they love, that they forget the essence of who they are, and they just become the caretaker uh, for that person. And the question I always ask is, who's really the victim, the people they're taking care of, that's act-victimized, or the people themselves that are taking care of those people because they're con- continuously giving a sense of not having themselves, that they're always giving away what they have on reserve. And that's something that we need to really look at uh, codependency 
how much of it do you do take care of the other person? It doesn't have to be black or white. It doesn't have to be everything or nothing. But this is, I can't speak today, not a little cold. But there is this, this fine line uh, between giving and not giving. Yeah. So um, the the idea of um, of codependency is there. What what would be some of the signs um, of you know an individual uh, um, who is codependent? Like, I mean, if, if how would I look to see if I were a codependent person? Well, if you forget about anything else except the person you're with, if that person is uh, center stage of your life, um, if uh, people tell you that you're not acting yourself uh, when you are with that other person, you know, there's a word called gaslighting. It's a word that's been used more often today. Are you familiar with that word? Oh, yes, yeah, very much. Oh, okay. So there's certain type of personalities that are usually narcissistic, and uh, they get you to do everything for them. Uh, and after a while, you start believing it, and you f go ahead, and you live their life, their life through them, which means uh, their relationships with other people, uh, their activities. And often they do not uh, go to therapy if there are problems because they want this situation where they control you. But as I said, if you forget the essence of who you are, and people tell you if you're not looking and acting yourself, you better watch out, because that is a red flag that you're definitely giving up uh, too much. So you have to know that when you have this uh, generational change keep going uh, with children, grandchildren, whatever, that they keep role modeling what you're doing. So when you backtrack, Instead of enabling another person, uh, you're really doing that person a favor by saying, hey, wait a minute, you're not a victim. Uh, these things that are happening to you, you're not weak. I'm not stronger than you are. You can do it. You can manage it. And after a while, instead of being pulled in, that other person will be happier as well because nobody really likes to be dependent on someone else. It gives you the feeling that that power is no longer yours. So nobody really wins on either side. You have to be careful. Some people really like being victims. Uh, they feel taken care of. But you know what happens. You stay a victim. You never get out of that model of uh, thinking, and you never really grow. You never really succeed in life. And everybody around you is changing except you. So that uh, delayed gratification that you feel you're going to get, it never really comes because you're dependent on someone else. And, you know, no one else can do for you what you can do for yourself because nobody really knows you uh, the way you know yourself. So there's a lot of struggle, a lot of strain, a lot of conflict, arguments back and forth. And as you said before, violence can occur. We can have emotional stress. We can have situations where there's divorce involved as well because of this type of treatment. And women often <clears throat> are much more codependent, and then they complain that the man is controlling them. But really they're asking for it, and the man has no choice. All right, leave me alone. I'll tell you what to do already. 
You keep bugging me. I'll make, I'll make sure I'm doing this. And then they complain. You have to be careful of what you're asking and to make sure that you're in a good place first and you're healthy first. Otherwise, relationships become very unhealthy. Yeah, so is, I mean, it sounds like the, one of the critical aspects of um, managing that um, aspect. It, it, one of them is the idea of boundaries, um, of, of setting boundaries and adhering to the boundaries being set. Yeah, well, there are no boundaries, but you're absolutely right. If those boundaries were set and they said, all right, this is what's going to happen, I'll do this and this, and then this, you're on your own, at least there's some kind of possibility for growth. But if there aren't any boundaries, uh, that other person, you're both stuck and feeling that you have to depend or you have to control that other person. Uh, so there's no room for anything else, and that's when you see that after a while it becomes very tiring, and it, it really does affect your health, not only your mental health, but your physical health as well, because those stress factors cause inflammation and stress uh, your body, your heart, your uh, heart, uh, uh, blood pressure, whatever that is. So all these things are not only superficial, but they affect you physiologically as well. So it really damages your uh, health, your longevity, your lifestyle, your joy, your growth. In every way, these codependency issues uh, keep going. Now, there was a time where role-playing was pretty much uh, mainstream, where women depended on men, and men uh, made all the decisions. Extremely unhealthy. Uh, today, uh, when these things happen, conflicts, there was a time, divorce, was an Ill, thought of as an illness. Uh, today, people who have codependent issues, they go ahead and they separate. Uh, they actually celebrate often their divorces. They make parties, which is the other extreme. But they, they're not in these codependent uh, relationships. And even at work, you know, at work, people also have codependent issues. You have to be careful to separate those boundaries of, this is business. This should not be a friendship because then you become vulnerable. If everybody knows all your issues, how can you have that power with making decisions at work? You have to be careful on all ends of this uh, situation, uh, even at work and in business. Yeah. Now, with work, I would think that it would be um, particularly – um, challenging in a way, in the sense that, you know, you have a boss and, and a boss would direct you to, to certain activities. So would then the idea of codependency, is it, is it kind of strictly the, when, when you kind of enter the friend zone, so to speak, you know, that would make work situations more susceptible to codependency? Absolutely. You know, be careful. You confide in one friend, and who knows what else is going to happen. How many other people are going to hear about this? So something that could have started small 
could end up being in the gossip column at work. And um, you're going to take away from the image you're trying to project. And yes, personality, personal life, emotions, all these things do play into who you are as a human being, but you shouldn't present that part uh, to what's going on in, in business. You have a partner in your life, or maybe you need to go to a therapist, or talk to somebody that will see you in a different way. But you really are going to scar your image. And when they're looking for somebody who's solid and confident, that's going to be stripped from you eventually if you keep it up. So the real answer is don't get too comfortable. Uh, don't make friends in the office. I hate to say that because you work all day, where else are you going to make friends? But it just is mm -hmm. not a safe place to be because those people who are there for you will join other people and talk about it, not because they're trying to do something wrong, because it's human nature to discuss issues that are on their mind. So, yes, it's a convenient way. You're having lunch together. You're having a break together. And you're just relaxing and unwinding. And when you unwind, that's the time to discuss issues. Business, um, when you're working, and there, there are codependency issues, and you become codependent on that person you're telling everything to. Because you know that they're sharing your secrets, and so you better get along with them. And you better do the right thing for you, them. Or they're, they're not going to be in your corner. So vicious circle of codependency, even when you talk about it, it does not help you. It pulls you towards it rather than away from it. Yeah. So now with um, friends, you know, I mean, you're talking about kind of friendship in, in the workplace, but just with friends in general, um, is there a um, does, does should one be as um, cautious or maybe guarded to to a degree when it comes to conversations as well? Just you know, in a in a friend kind of. So you're right. I mean, even with friendships, you know, you can have fun together. You can have activities together. I'm not saying uh, you shouldn't talk about things exactly, but don't burden yourself on somebody because then that's what it becomes. You can have terms sharing uh, feelings, uh, uh, experiences together. That's good, too. But if it becomes too mm -hmm. one-sided with a friendship mm -hmm. or if that friendship becomes the codependency issue itself, where you're always fixing and you're always doing. I always have a formula. I always say one thing. When you're walking away from someone, do you feel worse or do you feel better? Because that's going to tell you if that person is really mm -hmm. your friend, if that person is really there for you. So if you feel you're getting together with somebody and all you do is help them, you're going to go, you're going to walk away feeling diffused or depleted. You're not going to feel good about yourself. So, it's not about really giving so much. It's about enjoying the experience. So don't become this person who uh, helps codependency because it's not that you're liked or you want it. It, it. it gives you a feeling of being needed. But there's a guilt issue. If I don't help that person, will that person not do well? Um, will that person not thrive? Will something happen? Will that person become ill? There's all these responsibilities that we set up for ourselves that don't really exist. And it's either friendship, it's with 
our relationships with relatives. Because once we have that inside us, that instinct to be a caretaker and to help, it doesn't matter who we are, where we are, or who we're with. We just go to that place. And so to be able to be self-involved doesn't mean you're selfish. But you'll see that once you go into that place, you'll know the difference. Most people don't know the difference. They're just instinctually caretakers. They just don't, never feel so great. They're never in a good place. And so they become victims. They blame it on everybody else. But meanwhile, all they have to do is really step away and speak up and don't feel that there's going to be any harm, that something's going to happen to you or your self-esteem or you're going to be stripped of who you are. None of that. If anything, you'll be enhanced and you'll be more likable because people would rather be with someone who is positive than negative anyway. So the best thing you can do for a person is to be healthy in a good place and they'll enjoy being with you rather than feel that you have something over them, that you have more going. Then people become envious and jealous, and it doesn't work anyway. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I love the measurement of, you know, when you leave, you know, do you feel better or worse, you know, um, through that interaction. So if one is, you know, involved right now in a, in a codependent um, relationship or interact, you know, be a you know relationship friend, whatever. But one is involved in a dependent, um, you know, with a codependent individual, um, and the idea of breaking away from that individual, um, you know, kind of, you know, like you said, maybe you feel guilty or, you know, you have feelings, you know, you reserve, you feel that there's, you know, um, there's going to be a loss for that person. I mean, you, you care for the person, so, you know, that there's going to be a loss. Is is that, um, that feeling, I mean, should one just recognize that, you know, it may take actually breaking that connection in order to, um break the codependent dependency between the two? Yes, and that's a very hard thing to do, by the way, because it's ingrained in you, and often, you know, uh, your pathology starts in such, uh, certain ways where a father will take his son out and show him what the world is like and they should be more outward bound, and a girl taught to be a caretaker. So you're feeling that you're doing something that's disloyal, it's really hard to break that pattern of being centered and self-first. Uh, self but once you start doing that and you start breaking that, then you bring your children up differently too. But that person is not going to fall apart if you don't take it. The person is not going to die. Nothing horrific is going to happen there. But, yes, it comes from early childhood experiences, how you were trained as if you're okay, we're not okay, so you owe us something. You have to be that person always. And then you give your life away. So we're talking about not having boundaries with codependency issues and guilt and a fear factor and responsibility. And then as I spoke about at the beginning, gaslighting, you know, those people that need you are not innocent either. They're setting it up 
for you to feel guilty that you are uh, somebody that has to be there for them, that their center is, is themselves. They don't share good things with you. They don't share experiences with you. They don't share all their friendships with you. So all that is put in the back burner because they want you to feel sorry for them. So it's not something that is a coincidence. It's intentional. They're doing it in a way that they trap you into wanting to be somebody who is the caregiver, who is the server, and your life is not really part of their life at all. So you don't really know the other person in a way that maybe their friends know them when they're letting go because there's no gain for them. If you see that they're doing okay, they're not going to be able to take advantage of you. So I, I remember my mother, uh, when I was a child, was taking care of this lady. And this lady, when her daughter was around, would be moaning and griping and upset and, you know, you name it, whatever that was. And the daughter was very worried about her, and I understand that. As soon as the daughter left, she put the TV on, she was laughing, she was talking to her friends. So there was a secondary gain for her to get her daughter to be having codependency issues with her so she could be taken care of. So it's not only the person who's doing it, but the person who's having it done to is setting it up. You really can't trust. Is that something that's for you to see? Is that really consistent? I can guarantee you that a big deal of the time, a majority of the time, that person you're taking care of is not as needy as they want you to appear as needy as they are. So be careful. It's a little bit of a hoax here. It's not you're 100% there for them. They're not 100% true with you. Yeah, wow. Uh, you know, that's, you know, something certainly to consider. I hadn't, you know, you know, my thought, and then I'm sure like many people who, you know, are subject of codependency would think that the individual, the quote, victim, a person who feels victimized, um, that what one sees is a consistent, you know, that that's how they are all the time. You know, and so I would think that, you know, I mean, if, if it were like, if I were like that daughter, you know, and that, that was all I saw, um, I would think that that is the way that it is, you know, 24-7, um, you know, not recognize, realizing that, there, you know, when I am out of the picture, that it's, it's a very different situation. Yes, and uh, what happens with that often is that the person who's taking care of that other person is the one that really needs more help, is the one that's overwhelmed, overly tired, uh, overly worked, and uh, that person is neglected. So it really is the opposite way around. We need to look at the truth and the reality around us and wonder, why is it that I'm always tired and the people around me are not? How, what's going on here? And especially, you know, when you were mentioning the holidays, it's extremely traumatic time. And people, you know, in my practice, are still talking about it, believe it or not. It really affects them, the, the relationship and family dynamics, how people are competitive and in conflict with each other. And it's very, very difficult when they feel stressed out that they have to answer to them to, to make them feel good. Have you met anybody yet? When are you going to have children? What happens to your job? Have they, <laughs> have they given you a raise yet? 
uh, no, 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 and no. Oh, great. You know, so, uh, you know, a lot of people actually end up taking somebody into their lives, meeting somebody just for the holidays so they can have, here's my partner, <laughs> this is somebody I'm uh, going out with, you know, just for the holidays, just to prevent all this criticism and stress. So, yeah, even when we do that, we become codependent on what other people think of us. And we try to fit in and give them what they want. So codependency is really involving many kinds of different types of uh, relationships and how you uh, present yourself if you want to please them uh, emotionally when you see them even once a year. That's why people are so stressed out, that they have to fit into a certain expectation of what other people want. Especially today, people are getting married later or not getting married or not having children. Well, you know, when you get together with the older generation, that's not thought of. That's not, you know, supported. Mm-hmm. And what's wrong with you? What, you know, are you having problems? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and then they'll look at you as if uh, maybe they can help you with your problems when you really didn't think you had any till you saw these people. So relationships, friendships um, are people that often during the holidays that you don't want to see, but they bring these issues up that really remain for a very long time and can be very painful as well. So we have to look at, you know, people-pleasing because that's a dependency issue and why we have to make sure that we're accepted by these people or they'll think less of us or less of the people around us. They'll be judgmental in some way. Uh, it should not really affect you. What people think of you, what people need of you, there should be boundaries to both thought and yeah. uh, being, uh, being a caretaker in both areas. You need to have boundaries. You can tell them, no, right now, this is not where I am, and smile, and be able to handle that as well. So we're talking about not having extremes one way or the other. You can do that in every area of your life. You can go ahead and not look away, not ignore the situation, but not be subservient to anybody's needs to make them feel good or happy. Yeah, great. Well, we're about halfway through the show, Dr. Frieda, so I want to take just a quick 90-second break. And then when we come back, I want to take a closer look at the parent-child relationship, because you mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of things kind of arose from child-rearing. So maybe we could talk a little bit about how parents can raise independent children, you know, without having that codependency, okay? Thank you. Great. Okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder, we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, www.byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to the more than 1,700 shows we have aired during the past 13 years. Also on the site are links to the products and services we provide, books, 
photography products and services, calendars and greeting cards. There is also a link to our account at Fine Art America where you can purchase items such as mugs, prints, pillows, and more. Our show is available as a free podcast on multiple platforms such as iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Audible, with icons to each platform on our homepage. We are also available on social media platforms such as Facebook, X, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Threads. Our website, www.byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Dr. Frida Birnbaum, and we're talking about codependency. And you can find out more about what Dr. Frida has to offer, as well as some of her previous interviews, by visiting the website, which is drfrida.com. And with that, we're back. Dr. Frida? Thank you so much. Great. Thanks. So I'm, I'm kind of want to look at that parent-child relationship. Um, you know, excuse me. Um, in the first part of the show, you mentioned that some of the codependency kind of um, beliefs are, are set up in childhood. So h- how would a parent, you know, successfully raise a child um, who is dependent on them, obviously, in the beginning years, but to not move into that codependency tendency? Well, that's not easy, I'll tell you the truth. It's very difficult. Not only that, every child is so different, so you have mm-hmm. to treat each child differently. Uh, some children need to feel more secure, need you longer. Some children need you less. But there's a rule. There's a set rule that you have to go by often, and that is allowing a child to make decisions and guiding that child. So the best kind of parenting is a parent who is called authoritative parenting, where you guide the child, you listen to the child, and you can help that child be more independent by making decisions on their own rather than having the child feel that all the decisions have to be made by you. There are other types of parenting where the child makes all the decisions, and that's not good either because the child does need some kind of structure, and they do need to know that their parents are involved with what's going on in their life, so they have somebody as a backup to give them advice and to give them information as they're learning. So we need to have that kind of uh, relationship where the child will come to you and feel safe, but you'll also feel good that the decisions are made and that it's comfortable for that child that you're making the decisions for. So it's a back-and-forth relationship. It's not one-sided where the parent tells the child everything or the child can do everything they want. And when they have that structure and then they have that emotional support, then that helps them uh, to grow and not to have these kind of codependency issues uh, from early childhood. So we have to set, set that up before anything happens 
And then when something does happen, and there is some kind of conflict, let's say there are problems that need to be resolved, you can have that kind of relationship that this child will trust you. It always starts with simple or insignificant issues, and when you gain that trust, when bigger issues come in, or if there's something that the child may feel uncomfortable about, they'll already have had uh, this kind of relationship with you to begin with. So it's always an ongoing theme of connecting. How was your day? Now, most kids, you ask them, how was your day? They'll say, fine. You'll never really find <laughs> out for sure. Mm -hmm. If they tell you that there's something wrong, <laughs> I can get it to you. Um, so it's they're very, very much into not being um, open-minded about anything, but they do hear you. Uh, they do listen, and it does affect them because, you know, the frontal cortex uh, keeps developing until you're 26. So they're molding their thoughts and their impressions as they're getting older, and when you have all the right things going for you, and you're doing things that are right for you, and you don't have codependency issues, they won't feel that they have to be responsible either. If they're seeing parents that are carefree and happy and doing what they think is good for the family or for themselves and have careers that are they are contented with, well, they're not going to want less for themselves. They're going to want to have something that's just as good. So that's really the best way to prevent this codependency is by having your children part of the process when there's any negotiation in the house, when there's even any conflict. You'd be surprised how smart they are and what they can contribute. I feel that once a week for the family to sit down at a certain time and discuss anything that's going on at home or in school or wherever and to hear the other people get engaged with the decision-making. And, you know, even having dinner is very important. Every night, every evening, if possible, to sit together and have dinner, even have small talk uh, together. It's very enjoyable, and it's very important uh, to bond. The family bonding is something that really keeps giving even after you're no longer with your parents. It's very important. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, w I would think that having establishing a um, a pattern, a particular, like, you know, if it's the evening meal or that once a week kind of touch space, kind of, but having a a set um, schedule would also be important, so that if maybe a, a you know a child you know, has an issue, but, you know, hasn't brought it up during the week, but recognizes that, well, Friday night we're going to have our little sit-down, that I could bring it up at that point would be important. Yes, and not only that, not even bringing anything up sometimes, just sitting together with the family. I know in my childhood, and I come from an Orthodox Jewish family, every Friday night was a night to celebrate. So we looked forward to that, and I felt good that everybody, you know, we talked uh, with a glass of wine. That's why 
we don't have alcoholics in our religion so much because wine was used in a different way. Alcohol was mm-hmm. to make some kind of blessing with. So uh, that anticipation of bonding and sitting together and making a few jokes uh, sustained me uh, for a very long time. And you know, today we have uh, every child has it, my house especially, which is not good because I live in this big house here, every bedroom has a TV and a computer. You know, you can't punish mm-hmm. your child anymore because they go upstairs <laughs> and they have everything they want. They play games with each other. <laughs> Perfect, exactly what they They have the smartphones as well. So they can do whatever they want to do, and they prefer it anyway um, with their friends. So it used to be when we couldn't afford anything with my parents, actually it was better. Because we'd sit in one room. I uh, remember there was a screened-in porch, um, and there was one television set, and one person would be reading a magazine, and one person would be, who knows what, doing homework or sewing or something. But, but we'd all interconnect in some way. So we had a social, um, you know, experience with one another. And then somebody would say something or well, during my childhood, there was Ed Sullivan. Do you remember Ed Sullivan? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So Ed Sullivan, you know, Ed Sullivan came on 8 o'clock Sunday evening when we all ran to the TV together to watch Ed Sullivan. That was the height of our weekend. And so these things that we anticipated was something that gave us an opportunity to see what healthy is. And healthy is bonding with one another on an equal level, and having joy, and seeing each person not draining the other person, but giving back and forth. That's what a healthy relationship is. So that's what really happens during my childhood that's really in a way much better than my children's childhood because they each have a TV set, and they have a desk, and they have whatever it is you need to have in a house they have in their room. So, except food, yeah, they come out for food. That helps. <laughs> so, the, at least at that point in time, they'll come and join the family if they're hungry, uh, which they always are because they're teenagers. Um, so, uh, so you know, that's, so that's one thing. When you separate too much, you can't learn social cues. Uh, you don't really know how to respond. But when you're spontaneous, and as I said before, with little things that are going on around you, and you react to those little things, then when the big things come, uh, it's much easier uh, to make that kind of decision. I mean, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking out the window today, and it snows. I don't know where you're from. I'm from New Jersey. And so, so you you're, you get away with this. You're free. You're free here or not. But anyway, but I remember when it snowed, and uh, mm-hmm. my father would go outside. He lived in Cleveland, Ohio, and he would take a shovel, and he would plow the sidewalk, and um, we would go out and make a snowman, or we would help him. My mother would make hot cocoa and pancakes. What a great scene that was, right? We loved it. It was so much fun. We'd have a little sled. We'd go down the grass or something. Today, what happens? A machine comes from some company, plows everything, 
We go ahead, we live our lives. We don't enjoy uh, the pause in love like we used to. Uh, it's become too sterile. It's become too technical. It's become, uh, you know, void of this different types of experiences and relationships. And we're missing that today. So when we talk about codependency, that's also a form of neglect in what a healthy relationship is. It's not the way we had it, everybody running outside and wishing each other goodwill. It's what can you do for me that will make me feel better. So it's become uh, a little bit uh, greedy and self-centered and narcissistic. And narcissism today is a big word. Just like gaslighting, it's something we use a lot that people talk about. It's about what can you do for me. It's about I am the one that's most important over everybody else. And how sad is that? You can't really enjoy who you are if you're not sharing your experiences with somebody else. You really can't feel good if you don't feel good about someone else being happy. It's not the way a relationship is. And a very healthy relationship are people who are happy and take care of each other and support each other's growth. That's the happiest kind of relationship. Yeah, very much. And, you know, with the, I mean, the idea of being banished to a room, you're right, this carry the same kind of consequences that it used to. Um, now, and, and because of the technology aspect, the the connections that are made, you know, aren't in person. You know, they're not that there's that social interaction misses, you know, a lot of the small cues, you know, uh, emotional, you know, even personality kinds of cues that would be missing from just a technological exchange. Um, so that it seems that you know, with today's youth, the um, the idea, the, the lack of personal interaction also would lead, you know, to a little bit to that narcissistic kind of um, stance, you know, that it's you know it's all about me. But but it would seem that it would also um, hinder that you know, that emotional development and that is seems to be key to um, making the relationship successful. Yes, of course. You know, when you're looking at someone, and an important part about that is that when you have FaceTime or you're Zooming uh, or even texting if you don't see that person, it's a false premise of what you're looking at. So if everybody's showing their best and you feel worse about yourself, because you're never your best always, and they're always their best. I remember I went to a party. It was a uh, bus. It was a bus that had a party scene inside the bus. And this lady is dancing, and her big, big thing was a big concern was that she should, she should video herself so people, she could spend it on FaceTime, could see how much fun she was having. That was her biggest concern. Mm -hmm. And so it's sad that we have to prove ourselves and show ourselves in a way that's superficial because that is really not who we are all the time. It's not even who we are most of the time. 
So a lot of people get depressed after they're involved with these type of social media because they're not like that. How come I don't go to all those parties? How come I don't go to all those vacations? How come my kids are not that happy all the time? And my daughter's not getting married yet. What happens? <laughs> you feel yeah. worse, if anything, you feel guilty, and you compare yourself. And then students um, really develop mentally, um, you know, for two years, have really come back to school. Um, they've had drawbacks because they really didn't respond the way respond the way they did before with parties and gatherings and friendships. Uh, so it's taking them a longer time to have that developmentally, as well as their studies. Uh, they didn't do as well in school. They didn't learn as much because there wasn't that anticipation. Uh, you were on your own. You know, they didn't even have to show their faces uh, when they were studying in, in, in class. So the teachers didn't even see them. And some of them actually logged on, but they weren't even there, which is very right. sad to know, too. So, yeah, so that's also... Are taken away not only having uh, a room for every child instead of one room where we had this little television set that we were all glued to, uh, but then it's gotten even more so that we have even more space from each other uh, socially because of not having to be there physically. And also, you know, as far as health is concerned, we're not out in our environment as much as we used to be. And, Children are more obese than they ever were as well. So that affects their health and longevity. All this uh, because we need to be able to, we are social creatures, and we need to be able to reunite with one another to feel psychologically comfortable. Yeah, yeah, that, that is, is very true. And, and, you know, the youth who have gone through this uh, pandemic time with, you know, not being able to go to school and all that. I mean, it's gonna, I think it's going to take um, a, a, a bit of work to make sure that, you know, those patterns that were kind of established during that time, that, you know, that they can be um, minimized so that, uh, you know, we get back to a more interactive kind of um, community for the children. Yes, it's true, and it's taking a while. And our children are having difficulty uh, making friends and uh, difficulty going outside. And these computers are yeah. just keeping them in one place, especially boys. And they have certain ways of addicting these kids who are looking at these computers to play another game to play another game, uh, which is also something that needs to be adjusted. So when you're talking about boundaries, there are all kinds of new boundaries now that we need to look at limiting uh, how long children are on these computers and what they're actually doing. And parents should be able to see and uh, have the opportunities to stop anything that is not uh, healthy uh, for their children. So all these things with boundaries, uh, we're talking about boundaries today, uh, we're talking about codependency today, but it goes even further than that because we uh, have really changed uh, the way we live our lives. 
Yeah, yeah, very much. You know, and you know, you mentioned you know boys with games, and and you know, there's also been talk about um, the impact of social media on young girls with body image in in the you know the the um, you know, images that they were receiving that that um, you know kind of are very unhealthy for for some young girls. And now, you know. We, there's one kind of last thing I want to talk about, and that is, you know, the gender aspect. You know, you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, dad taking the boys out and, and moms with the girls and caring. Is there um, a uh, more of a tendency with, you know, the idea of young girls being, you know, I mean, they they emotionally mature faster, so I think they're more apt to have, you know, the idea of caring for others or for you know for themselves, you know, at an earlier age than some boys. Um, is is there a um, a way that a parent can try and um, minimize, you know, the stereotypes? You know, boys, you know, the, the aggressive outgoing, less caring, girls, more caring, family, you know, have their dolls and that kind of thing. Is there, is there a way to um, kind of minimize that or, 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 you know, does that kind of also feed into the possibility of them growing up to be codependent? Well, there's one answer to that. There's only one answer to that. Education. As young women... Uh, actually, the 60% women are in college of the student body, which is really changing. But as women have higher status careers, they will be looked at and, and, and respected and treated differently. In my, in my book, The Effects of Relationship on a Professional Woman, just showed that, that they are listened to financially, and it trickles down to the home as well, uh, socially. Uh, any kind of partnership that's necessary, women now have more authority. But these magazines, and we're talking about image and body image, really depresses young women because they see these perfect bodies that are actually fixed anyway. They're changed uh, to make it look better. Um, and so they compare themselves. There used to be that models, right, with six degrees mm -hmm. so clothes could hang on them. The models have become the role models for young women, which means you have to be practical or maybe you should be anorexic. Don't eat. And then these women yeah. stop having their cycles. Uh, they really can't reproduce. Uh, all kinds of uh, problems come into play. The women are supposed to have certain figures, certain body measurements, that today they just don't have. They're where they used to have it, so that's unhealthy. And so they get more depressed because they can't keep it up because it means not eating, which is unhealthy too. Uh, so all this, which is one extreme, the role models in the social, in social media and in the media, uh, and then the other extreme, which is go ahead and educate yourself to have high-status careers, we're both on the crux of both. Both things are happening. And the people that have the right kind of parenting and the girls that become young women because the fathers and mothers see them as having potential 
authority over their mm-hmm. lives, that today is changing. That today is getting better if you have that kind of setting at home. Because it all starts uh, in the house. It all starts with how your mother is. And if your mother is somebody who works outside the home and she's happy doing that and she's successful with that, then a young girl will look to that and young boys will end up marrying that kind of role model as well because that's what they're used to. Yeah, yeah. Very that that um modeling behavior at home is just so important, you know, and you know, I know every now and then when I'm out and about and, and I see parents that um you know, that are whose behavior is just to me it's like, oh boy. You know, I, I and there was a child, it, it just makes me uh, you know, wonder, you know, what, what, how the, that child will grow up seeing, you know, a dysfunctional, you know, parent relationship. Um, and uh, it's, you know, I, I just think that, you know, it's just so important for parents to just to be self-aware and, and recognize that, you know, their behaviors and actions and, and their life really are the um, basis for, you know, the beliefs of the children and, you know, whether they grow up to be healthy, you know, functioning contributors to society or or challenged. More than peer pressure, more than anything, it's the parents uh, that really affect that the children. And my research shows that women who had uh, happiness at home uh, brought up daughters who are happy being home. And those that have conflict about it are brought up daughters who also have conflict but changed and became more career-oriented. So it does affect us much more uh, than we realize. But, you know, when you're in school and you're high school and you're a teenager and peer pressure to look good, it takes away from the orientation for girls to study and what is the future mm-hmm. going to be like. So it is really important to have that kind of relationship at home where the father doesn't recognize the girl all of a sudden because she's reached puberty and she looks like a young woman and then all of a sudden she gets recognition. No, recognize her for when she's playing tennis or she's doing something that she accelerates who she is as a person and promote that part of her. And so therefore she will go ahead and develop herself in a certain direction as well because as children, not as adults, but as children, we have no uh, authority. Our authority are our parents, and we try to please mm-hmm. them. But our parents should know what it is that's good for us so they can guide us. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Well, Dr. Frieda, this has really been a, a wonderful conversation. I really want to thank you for your insight um, on codependency. It's, uh, you know, it's it's something that I think many people experience but maybe don't recognize fully, you know, how involved they might be in, in codependent relationships. Always go towards the positive. If you're with somebody that's not in a good place, disconnect yourself. It's not your obligation. It's not your job. You have to be healthy first, and then you meet people that are healthy, that are part of who you are, 
not somebody who's going to pull you down because women often tend to be with somebody who becomes everything of who they are and then they complain uh, that that person's controlling them but then we talk about codependency they become codependent on that other person men often marry in a way that that relationship is part of who they are and that's much healthier so as women become more educated uh, they're going to look at a relationship not to be taken care of, but exactly who mm -hmm. they are, and that will add to who they are already, and they will become less codependent. Well, great. Well, thank you for your time today. I, I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Dr. Frida Birnbaum, and we've been talking about codependency. And again, you can find out more about Dr. Frida by visiting her website, which is simply drfrida.com. And you can check out all of her previous interviews and, and books there. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. And until we meet again. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to BikeRadio.me's Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. To become a show follower, visit www.blogtalkradio forward slash bite radio me and click on the follow link. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at bite radio me. Be sure to visit our website at www.biteradio.me. That's B-I-T-E-R-A-D-I-O dot M-E. And until we meet again, Remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.